This is Saren Kohli. You're listening to We Are All Africans. What's your name and what does it mean? My first name is Ali Matu. My middle name is Penda and my last name is Sala. Um, my name, it means uh, Halima. It's like a variation of the name Halima from the Quran, um, West African variation. And it was, she's the wet nurse that took care of Muhammad. So it's someone who's humane and um, yeah, kind of almost like gentle, but like a very humane person that cares about society. Um, Penda means beloved, I believe. Um, that seems to just be like an overall Senegambian name. I don't think that's linked to any specific ethnic group. And Salah is, um, it has the word Allah in it, which means God in Arabic. And um, I know that that is a Fulani last name in the Gambia, particularly um, I know that when I asked about it in Senegal and from what I've seen, that last name is not popular there. So it's in the Gambia. There's Egyptian people that carry that last name and um, people in Saudi Arabia and maybe in their diaspora that have it. Um, so there's a huge Islamic influence uh, for my name, obviously, uh, due to my father uh, being from the Gambia and his father being a Fulani person, they take that religion extremely serious from what I've seen. And um, uh, my first name really resonates with me because that is basically who I am. Um, I've always wanted to do things to help society, to help especially like my people, my African people that has led me to where I am now. Um, so yeah, it basically like a kind of like a mothering of society or some type of leadership or, uh, something of that sort healer. So that definitely is who I am. Where are your parents from? My father is from the Gambia. Um, he is Jola, or their real name is Ajamat and um, Fulani. Um, his father died when he was young, uh, was a boy, and his mother remarried. So um, I know that the Jola people, I haven't met any of my family yet in the Gambia. I still have to travel there. But the Jola people, or their real name, Ajamat, um, they originate in the Casamance region of southern Senegal. They're in the Gambia, and they're also from Guinea-Bissau. Um, there are some origins saying that they originate from um, Upper Egypt, um, which is actually southern Egypt. So I would like to find out more info about that. And um, a lot of them are Christian. There are some that still um, there's some that pra- practice Islam, and uh, they have their indigenous religion. Um, his Fulani father, I don't know much. I, I don't know much about him. Um, 
I just know I'm I'm assuming that they probably that family was probably from somewhere in the Sahel. Again, I will have to go to the Gambia and because um, I know that is a popular name over there, last name Salah, um, and find out more on the ground about that per se. Um, I, I grew up mostly with my Liberian side. Unfortunately, when my parents split up, things became um, strained. And um, even me being as an adult, things with my father have always been iffy and it's a part of life. Sometimes you realize that your your family, even your parents are not who you thought they were. Um, but I still keep in com- communication with my, my uncle, his one of his younger brothers in the Gambia. And I've recently like rekindled a relationship with my sister on that side. My mother is Liberian. She, her mother is um, a Basa woman, um, or you can say an indigenous woman uh, who has roots. She's from a place called River Cess. Um, They have roots, the Basa people in Cameroon. Um, I had recently spoken to my grandmother about that. And she said, yeah, she, she knew that. Um, and my mother's father was a Pele man um, who has roots there from um, Guinea originally. And he's from Bong County, but I believe it's called Kanala. I think it's Kanala. I think it is that area that he's from. Um, he's deceased. So from all my grandparents, the only person alive is my maternal grandmother at this point. My grandfather died when I was like two years old in Liberia. Um my father's father died when he was young. His mother died a couple of years ago. I believe she was in her 90s um, when she passed away. So uh, my grandmother, my Basa grandmother, is what we would say in Liberia unlettered. Um, she grew up in a time where, with her particular ethnic group, and I believe it happens throughout some parts of Africa, um, where her father thought it was best that she, he didn't think she needed to go to school. So he didn't, he didn't educate her. It was her brothers that got educated, which this that's the misogyny and sexism that happens around the world. Um, and sadly, she could have probably accomplished more if she would have went to school. Also, um, sometimes with the case with Liberia, I know I've heard some people say, and I could, I could add in tribalistic thinking, um, they'll say, oh, why don't you speak your language or whatever? And the case with Liberia is a little different when it comes to colonization because the former enslaved um, Africans that went back there, that settled there from uh, America and the Caribbean, they actually were oppressing the indigenous people that were there when they got there. And it was the thing that they wanted those people to speak English. So this is some, some of the reason why my maternal grandmother, she speaks English to us rather than Basa. Um, I know some words and, and stuff like that. I know how to greet and things like that. But that's some of the reasons there was a pressure that you had to speak English. What is your family history? My maternal grandfather, he, some people, some indigenous uh, people or kids were getting adopted by these African-American families. So he got adopted by one, and I'm assuming they're the people who educated him. And he took on their last name, Cooper, but we know that the um, indigenous last name is Yango. So um, my mom's first name is actually Yanga, that means the world in Pele. But um, 
Yeah, he got adopted by them. He got educated and he was able to get a job with Voice of America Radio, which really helped him out financially. He was able to buy land and he did a lot of, I I consider him like a visionary. He did a lot of great things for for the family. He was was buying land, which is a way to accumulate wealth. So uh, my parents... Uh, still to this day in a lot of African countries, if you have opportunity by getting a scholarship or your parents have some type of money, they send you abroad to go to college. So my mother's father was able to send her to Cheney State University um, here in Pennsylvania in the United States. And my father ended up going, I believe he got a scholarship um, through uh, Alex. It was some type of work or I don't know, foundation that Alex Haley um created because Alex Haley is the writer of the book Roots and he traced his roots to the Gambia. He had um, lineage to Kunta Kinte, who was a prince, a Mandinka prince that got caught and enslaved and sent here to America. So that's what the story is about. And there was some type of scholarship going on in the Gambia. And that is how they um, came to the United States. And uh, oddly enough, Cheney State University is the first um, historically black college university in um, America. And I didn't know that till a couple couple of years ago. They met there. um, They came here in like the late 70s. I believe my father was here. He's been here for so long since the the 70s, like the mid early 70s. And my mother got here in the late 70s. So that's how they met. And I guess they bonded through being, you know, young Africans in America. And um, I ended up being born here. And um, that's how kind of how I came to be Where did you grow up? I was born and raised in, well, born in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is a suburb outside of Washington, D.C. And then I I had moved to North, uh, we moved further up north to New Jersey, which is next to New York City, basically the part that was kind of not far from there. So the climate, those those places further up north, like D.C., Philadelphia, those cities, um, Baltimore, New York City, they're always been larger immigrant populations from all over the world, including, you know, African and the Caribbean. So these people are more a little bit used to being with such diverse groups of people culturally. But then at the time down South, they've always been behind in time. They weren't, now it's getting more, like more culturally diverse over the last 20 years or 15 years. But back then you didn't really see that many, you know, um, Africans like that. So it was just different for them. I, I, yeah. So I was living in North Carolina and that's when I really became aware of my Africanness and I guess supposedly how different I was for them now that I look back at it, that they felt I was. I just have countless stories of people not being to say a, my four letter, not, not my four letter, my three syllable name, um, yeah. <laughs> I've had my name butchered so many times. It's just like you could just actually just read like if you just try your best and just sound out 
you know, the syllables is pretty much not that bad, but. What does it mean to be African? I think being my, accepting myself, like for me being, accepting who I am truly, um, that means not being ashamed of things that make me African, my, my skin color, my, my hair texture, my features, my body type is just accepting who I am, you know, being proud of that and not letting the world or society make me feel like I don't matter. My life doesn't matter. My ancestors' life didn't matter, you know, or making me feel that I come from a people who didn't contribute anything. So that's, it's just me fully accepting myself. I think this happened within the recent years. Like, I just know that growing up, because there was a time that my father was pretty absent consistently. I just knew that he was Fula. I recently found out about the Jola part and it's because I asked questions. But um, I knew that he was a Fula man. I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that's what he was. And I just knew that my grandmother was a Basa woman. She, she would speak the language, like some of my cousins that grew up with her in Liberia, they, they can, like one of them in particular, she spoke it with him. And my aunt um, was fluent in Basa, my mom's sister. They had different fathers. And um, and my aunt's husband was a Basa man who was actually from Riverside, where my grandmother was from. So they went out because I was living with them for different parts of my life. They were speaking Basa in the house. And I just, I don't know, from the time I was young, I was always just interested in learning my culture. And maybe it's because I felt different. Sometimes I feel like I did not have the privilege in being that I could blend in with Black Americans in America. I have some cousins that you can say phenotypically could blend in more with African Americans. They might have more Western names. And maybe I felt like that was the reason why I took to being more African. But now that I'm getting older, maybe it was not the reason. But I've always the interest sparked more after I had traveled to Senegal in 2018. I became even more interested in, um, I don't, I think it actually, well, yeah, that did help. But I know prior, before that trip, I, I was speaking to my father briefly. And that's when I said, let me ask him all the questions I can ask him so I can have something to turn to in the future if I need to do some research. So I asked him, I asked his brother, and then I started talking more to my mom. Um, so I think more even heavily within like the last two years, I became even more just somewhere to belong. I think what it was, was um, when I did go to Gide Chantier, um, the, the Fulani, the pool village in Senegal, I just felt really at home there. Like I, I felt a definitely an ancestral connection. And I felt like for the first time I could be myself. And I don't know, I just really felt a sense of belonging. Like, oh, I came back home and I just became like more interested in that. And 
I don't want my daughter to get lost. And that's like a worry of mine, but it's nothing that I should worry about. But I don't, she's second generation. And I just want to continue. I want her to know that she has a home outside of this country. Like whenever, if ever they make her feel like this is not hers, she has somewhere that's hers, that she belongs or on multiple places outside of here. I just think it was just ordained by by my ancestors. It was a, a trip done through my school. Um, it just was random. It just was a random opportunity. And I just remember saying, I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to go, but I'm going to make it work. And I was able to go. And um, I just think it was, I really think that the path that I was taking, my my ancestors were not too pleased and it was just like, yeah, you need to come back over here because we, you know, we, we, we have to get you together because you're, you're falling off of your path. So I think that was some, that's what it really was. It was like a summoning home. How do you think your identities intersect? Yeah, I'm African. I'm American. I'm a woman. <sighs> This that, that this has been the hard part because um, I don't feel like I fit in. I've never felt like I fit in here in America. Um, I just never, some of the things that were considered a norm here, I just never understood it. And now that I'm older, I realize that it's actually abnormal, but people like to normalize abnormal behavior here in the United States. And within the recent years, this is why I've cut off or... I, uh, in friendships, we've gone our separate ways because I've been more vocal about my thoughts on the American experience and people don't like it. And it's just like, well, oh, well, like at first I felt a type of way, but I'm like, I'm going to speak my truth because I know here in America, you all love making people seem so strange and so different when they don't do what you do. I've had my experiences in, in, um, in, in Africa and the little traveling that I've done with my thing. And sometimes I fear if I was to ever relocate there, how would I be perceived? Because I'm a stronger like woman and more, more vocal. Um, especially when it comes to places like Senegambia, um, these more Muslim countries and even not so Muslim. I don't like the way that I see things being done with women and girls. I don't like how People are using religion and other indigenous practices not to educate girls because it's important that they get educated and have opportunities as well. Um, yeah, just different things. I, sometimes I feel like I'm too, quote, westernized, unquote. And I wonder, like, what, what am I going to do, you know, the day that I resettle on the African continent? I'm trying not to think about it too much, but I worry in some African cultures, tribalism is so instilled in it. So if you're anything different, if you don't speak your language, if you are not a full-blooded of whatever your tribe is, it's like, oh, it doesn't, it kind of doesn't count. I wish that I would have had more guidance and um, support in pursuing my creative endeavors. 
along with going to school because you can make money from both. So I pushed myself to go to school and I've suffered in other areas because of it. Um, I mean, thankfully, nutrition is a broad subject matter that, you know, I could benefit from from the future. But um, it's it's tough. It's very tough being a single parent. And this is why I don't have any more kids right now, because it's very tough. There's a lot of pressure being put on me, but it's kind of unrealistic. Like how much things can one person do with my education, me even having to go part time, me stopping school multiple times. Like it's now that I'm older, I don't think that younger adults should go to college until they figured it out. Because in America, especially, they say go to college when you're 18. You're a teenager. You don't know what you want. So I feel like one should go discover life first. And then when they're mature enough, they go to school. I don't have the network. So it's it's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. Thankfully, I'm finishing this semester and I couldn't ever do anything like this again. It, it was not a good idea. Thank you so much, Alima, for sharing your story with us. I wish you a beautiful journey connecting with your story and your Africanness. This is Saren Coley. You're listening to We Are All Africans. See you next week en français. <laughs>